for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagay. I am really excited about today's guest. He's been on my wish list for guests for a while. You won't yes. find the nicer guy in the business. And he's pretty much on every single station on SiriusXM at this point. And that would be from the class of 2001, Mr. Rich Davis. Welcome to the show. Yeah, what's going on, John? Good to see your face, by the way. And good to talk to you. Likewise. We've, we tweet occasionally, but I'm telling you, I've been listening to all these and they're fascinating because, you, you know, you're at Syracuse for your four years of fun, but, you know, sometimes you don't realize what happened before you, after you. So I'm loving all the perspective of people from the 90s, the 80s, after we were there. It's pretty cool. I appreciate you saying that. And I'm excited to hear your story, which starts where? How do you end up at Syracuse, Rich? Uh, you know what? It's funny you should say that. I, people ask you how you got into radio, but people never ask, hey, how'd you, go to, how'd you go to Syracuse? I was in high school and I was always the kid that was like, I want to be on radio or television. That was sort of what I wanted to do. You know, I applied to Syracuse. That was probably my number one choice. And my high school principal, who I'm still in contact with today, Tom Dolan, Mr. Dolan, he was like, hey, listen, come into my office. He goes, if you chicken out, if he actually said, if you're chicken shit and don't go to Syracuse, I'm not going to let it happen. He goes, you can't, don't be one of these kids that stays on Long Island and just goes to the community, this or that. He goes, you're good. He goes, do it. Don't let anyone, don't let a guidance counselor be like, hey, maybe you want to go to Hofstra or go to Nassau community. He goes, go to Syracuse. You're the guy. I'm promising you, you're going to thank me. So yeah, he pushed me. I remember going to Syracuse, Penn State or Boston University. And I said, you know what? Syracuse is number one. And he's like, then go there. Stop it. You're my orange man. Let's go. Let's do it. So Back when we were orange men. Yeah. So you're not a chicken shit, Rich, and you end up at Syracuse. And how do you find WJPZ? This is where the story sort of gets fun because there's a a fellow alum, Andy Laver, Andrew Laver. We called uh, on the air at Z89. He was Puffy, Puff Andy. Okay. Now, I met Andy through uh, Speechcom. Not Newhouse. I was in Speechcom when when I first started there. And Andy said, yeah, I'm at the college radio station. I remember thinking like, that's pretty cool. I I don't know if I have interest or not. And I had gone through a miserable breakup, John. We're talking like high school sweetheart. Like I thought we were going to make it. I was Uh, like, this is it. I love this girl. I was the fool that thought I was going to be like, maybe I'll end up with her. Yo, college happens. I'll be honest. I'm me. So I end up like making out with some other girl. And I stupidly told my high school sweetheart that I hooked up with someone else. Looking back, why the hell was I honest? Mistake. Honesty, (laughs) overrated. So, Spoken like a morning show host. Go ahead. Yeah. And I'm like, honesty? What's that? So I get dumped. I try to win her back. She's in Binghamton. I drive down to Binghamton, but I first stop at the Carousel Center to buy a necklace at K Jewelers because that seemed like a great move. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. I'm going to win her over. You know, every kiss begins with K. You know what? Every break ends with K. <laughs> that is true. Look at you. So I go to the Carousel Center and I grab a little heart necklace. I drive to Binghamton. I follow someone into her dorm building. I knock on her door. Some dude with the backwards lacrosse hat and the goatee. Very 90s. I believe you had a goatee probably at one point. Still do. <laughs> still, still do. There you go. He was like, hey, who are you? I'm like, I, I, I'm Eric's boyfriend. He goes, I'm Eric, the new guy. <laughs> My first thought was, Eric and Erica? How lame. <laughs> so she comes to the door and she's like, it's over. I leave. 
I drive back to Syracuse all miserable. So for the next months, I'm just sitting in my dorm room right across from JPZ. I lived in Marion, which was like that shitty one right across the way. Yeah. Remember, it was like two stories. (laughs) Yes. Here I am in Marion crying like, oh, like a miserable sack of garbage. And Puffy, Andy, comes to my room. He's like, you got to get out of here. Stop being such a little wimp. Yeah. I'm going to Z89. It's across the street. Come on. I went in there and I looked around and I'm like, oh, wow. This is pretty cool. And I remember seeing uh, that's uh, Harry Waring was yep. there. Uh, Matt Del Signor, who probably one of the most legendary dudes to run the place. That was when he was starting to become the big dog at JPZ. This is like 98. Yeah. So this is fall 98 or this is fall 98. My freshman year, I did not do Z89. Okay. This is my sophomore year. And I remember Andy saying, come over here. And I remember looking at all the students saying like, I think I could do this. You know, that feeling of you could say it's cockiness, but it's also like a confidence. Like you look at other people doing something. You're like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. If you put me in a room where people are breaking down math equations, I'd be like, nope, can't do it. I saw these people on the mic and I'm like, I think I could do that. And with the right practice and, you know, hard work, I think I could do this. And I'm like, how do I get involved? And I'm pretty sure it was Harry and Matt Del Signor because they were sort of in the transfer at that time. They said, hey, you want to do a shift? And I started just picking up any shift I could at Z89 and I fell in love with it. I really did. I said, wow, this is awesome. The idea of just cracking the mic and being on the radio, I fell in love with it then and and ta-da, boom, the rest is history, I guess. I'm so glad you used the word awesome because you want to share what your first on-air name was? My first on-air name. Oh, I had a few. I was Dickie V. That's the one I remember. Yeah, I was Dickie V on Z89. And I remember that because I don't want to be all over the place, but that summer I had interned at WPLJ in New York, which no longer exists, uh, for Scott and Todd. Yeah. And one of the jocks on PLJ, Dave Stewart, would air check me. Mm-hmm. And I remember he would say, listen, you're never going to get a job in radio outside of like maybe New York if you don't stop saying, call us now, 443-H-I-T-S. So you had to ditch the Long Island accent like I had to ditch the Boston accent. Dude, I had a terrible, I was like, Z89, call us now, 443-H-I-T-S. And he's like, you got to, he's like, lose the 443. I was like, all right, cool, I will. So I would air check with Dave Stewart and I just feel like I had a great situation going, John. I don't want to be all over the place here, but I'm bouncing back between New York and Syracuse because I feel like Z89 was something that no one else had. Yeah. It was like this little golden ticket we all got, right? Like anyone else trying to break into radio, I almost feel like we had such a starting point over anyone else. You guys ran the radio station like a real radio station because it is. Yeah. And anyone else in college radio would come back home and be like, yeah, I work for the college station. They'd be like, yeah, like I play all the old, my, whatever music I want. And I'm like, yeah, that's bullshit. You don't, I work at a real college <laughs> radio station. Z89 was legit. You guys went through format changes. You were the pulse. Then you came back to Z89. Like you had positioning statements, commercials, weather bumpers. I'm like, whatever you're telling me about your college radio station, I'm going to stop you right now. It's horseshit compared to Z89. That was my feelings. There's the New York coming out of you. It turns out your high school principal was right about Syracuse for that reason. Yes. I said, this is the most legit operation I could ever have imagined. And I know there's other stations, radio and TV, even at Syracuse, but they all, in my mind, paled in comparison to what Z89 offered the student. It was working at a real radio station, learning. I was never heavily involved in programming or music selection or you know being a music director, but 
I saw guys like you and uh, Mina yeah. and uh, you know people that went on to become great programmers. They were programming at Z89 and using those skills. They would get their first like real-world job and be so overly prepared because of Z89. Agreed. And the feeling is mutual because I remember uh, seeing you come in and like, wow, this guy's good. And it wasn't long that other people realized that because soon you were recruited to go across town. Do I have that right? Yeah, you do. And you know what? I felt sort of, it was a bummer to leave Z89, right? Because it's the best starting place of all. But the reality is Z89 is the best classroom in America. Yeah. Documentary talks all about it. (laughs) You know, best classroom in radio and broadcasting by far. But you go to school to get a job. And if you're going to call Z89 the best classroom, that's preparing you for the real world. So, you know, Hot 1079 called when Ryan Sampson, Hawaiian Ryan, who was also a Z89 alum, was over there. And him and Chris Mann, another Mm -hmm. Z89 alum, were working at Hot 1079. And they were listening to air checks of students to be like, who can we hire as the next part-timer? And they were just, you know, probably mocking a lot of the local people or being, oh, what with this crappy air check. When they got to mine, they're like, oh, a Z89 kid. Hey, he's not that bad. And they helped me get hired at Hot 107.9. And let me tell you, that was, that was a big step also in my career. I became Rich the Bull Marino. <laughs> wow, that is like, Marino's got to be one of the most popular last names uh, in, in radio. I don't know what made me choose it. I don't know what made me choose any of my names. Well, you're a sport. You're a sports guy. We're gonna come back to that later. You're a big sports fan, yeah. so you had Dickie V and Marino. Like the sports references everywhere here. That was a big step to go to Hot 107.9. But again, I was still trying to do what I could to help Z89. Because you know Matt Del Signor, I always felt was like the nicest, kindest guy to me. I know you and him are tight. Yeah. I always felt like he's one of those guys that you can never be kind enough to because you're like, yeah, was I nice enough to him? Because he's so nice to me. Like every time I deal with Matt, I'm like, I hope I came out of that with him feeling like I was as nice to him (laughs) as he was to me. That's Matt Del Signor. I have long said Matt is the only friend of mine that could run for public office because he's that classy and that nice of a guy. Even when I see him at reunions, when I get to make it out there, I'm like, I'll have a nice interaction with him and his his wife or you guys. And I'm like, I hope I was as (laughs) sincere as he was. So Matt, shout out, buddy. So where does life take you from Hot, and how long were you there, Rich? While I was working at Z89 and, and Hot. Were you doing it at the same time? Did they let you do that? I was doing both. They allowed that for a while. So for a while, I was doing both, right? And I was sending my air checks to anyone that wanted to listen, right? Sure. So I interned over the summer at WPLJ, and just a lesson to anyone younger that might be listening, because I know probably some of the maybe current students are thinking, what could I do to make a difference? So when I was interning at PLJ, I remember it was probably ill-advised at the time because I didn't know any better, but I just randomly went into Scott Shannon's office. He's like, yeah, hello. I go, hey, Scott, (laughs) I'm one of the interns. I'm folding t-shirts down here, not really feeling it. I want to learn from you. Could I be your intern? Wow. And he looked at me like, well, that's awfully freaking bold. And he's like, you know what? Starting Monday morning, you're my personal intern. Wow. So I was like, wow, my, my random ballsy approach of just knocking on Scott Shannon's door when probably someone, I'm, I'm sure I was advised, don't go down that hallway. You never know unless you ask. And I said, you know what? As much as I want to be a team player in full t-shirts, I'm here. Why would I not want to learn from one of the greatest broadcasters ever? Yeah. So I picked up his golf clubs. I dropped off, you know, I went Christmas shopping for him. I, 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 I did anything I needed to do for him if it meant like also being the guy that 
helped him get his prep ready, you know, learn from him. He would air check me. And on my last day of interning for Scott and Todd, Scott Channing calls me in his office and he goes, uh, Richie Rich, sit down. So I, I sit down in Scott Channing's office and he goes, hold on one second. Let me make a phone call. Picks up his, you know, his office phone, dials up and he's like, hello, Kid Kelly. Scott Shannon here. Remember I hired you as a young, you know, 20-something-year-old guy? And, you know. Oh, my God. So Scott Shannon calls Kid Kelly, and he goes, I got this kid here from Syracuse that you need to keep your eye on. And wow. he goes, Kid Kelly, meet Rich Davis. So talking to Kid Kelly on huh. speakerphone. So I then go back to Syracuse after the summer. And where was Kid Kelly at that point, by the way? He was operations manager at Z100 in New York. Okay, wow. All right. OM and programmer, him and Tom Pullman from iHeart yeah. were co-running HTZ, Z100. And I went back to Syracuse in the fall. I'm in my house on Clarendon. And every week, I'm sending air checks. John, I'm sending air checks yeah. to anyone who wants to listen. This is like when I had like ultra passion. <laughs> like before I was like a 40-year-old, there's something that's like, ah. I woke up. I went to the copy center on Marshall Street. Yeah, yeah. I made 50 copies of my air check and resume and sent them to every pop station listed in like R&R magazine. Oh my God. Everyone from New York down to Market 50. I sent it everyone like, please just give me advice. I, I, I want to learn. I want four people out of 50 responded to me. <laughs> I'm impressed it was that high. I know. And uh, one of the people who I'd already been in contact with, Kid Kelly, would air check me every week, which wow. at the time I, I didn't realize how valuable that was that i had the operations manager and programmer of z100 air checking me on a weekly basis jeez he'd call my house on clarin and be like hey dicky it's me kid what's going on oh hey kid what's uh what, hey what are you doing this weekend uh, i'm going to marshall street probably trying to hook up with some girls and drink and you know do some more radio shows and on a random night he calls and he goes that's cool do you mind canceling your your weekend plans i go why he goes do you want to come down to Z100 and do the Saturday overnight? Whoa. And I was like, what? John, I was 20 years old. I was, I was a junior. Okay. And he said, come down to Z100, do the weekend overnight. And I was like, absolutely. So I go to New York to do the shift and turns out he sort of liked my sound. I guess I, kid always says that I remind himself, me of himself. Okay. I remind him of himself. So he started putting me more and more on the schedule. And then it got to the point where he's like, hey, can you do every Saturday? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in Syracuse. So there was a year of my life where I was doing Hot 107.9 during the week. I was a full-time student at Syracuse. And then every Friday or Saturday, I would drive down to New York to do one or two weekend shifts at Z100 and then come back to Syracuse on Monday. I want to give you credit for your drive and determination at that age because I had two similar opportunities as you that I did not take advantage of. When I was interning between junior and senior year, I interned at Kiss 108 in my hometown of Boston. Yeah. I interned for Dale Dorman, who was a legendary afternoon DJ there. He said, answer the request line. I said, I'll be the best damn request line answerer you ever had. Yeah. What else can I do? And then one day he like handed me his car keys and said, hey, can you go wash my car for me? And I didn't know if he was kidding or not because he had a really, really dry sense of humor. Yeah. And I like hesitated. And because I hesitated, I didn't end up doing it. 
and like I think I might have been in with him if I had done all that grunt work stuff that you said you do for Kid Kelly. Just wash the car. <laughs> I should have just washed the car. Years later, I'm in Burlington, Vermont, doing nights full time, and I get an offer to do weekends on Kiss 108, which I guess would be a three-hour drive each way. You had more than that going from Syracuse to New York. Yeah. And my program director at the time is like, dude, you can't. You'll be burning the candle at both ends. You're going to suffer on the air here. It's going to be an issue. I, I, I can't have you do it. And so I could have risked my full-time job to do weekends at Kiss 108, 2000. Seven, eight ish, and I didn't. So you took advantage of two opportunities that I passed up. So I give you credit there. I'll be honest, I was not good at saying no back then. Just recently in my life, I realized someone taught me that everything you say yes to means you're saying no to something else. That's because good. before that, I was the, yeah, yeah, sure, yes, yes, yes. You want to do this appearance? Yes. You want to do this extra shift? Yes. Until I realized. Saying yes to something means you're saying no to something else. So, hey, you know what? I, I don't think you should look back at that and regret it at all. But it really is a wild story when I think back of, yeah, every weekend driving to and from Jersey City, Syracuse, Jersey City, Syracuse, every weekend. What is that, four, four and a half hours on a good day? Yeah, about four and a half hours. And at the same time, remember I was telling you, I gave the 50 uh, resumes around the country. Yeah. I got a call from... Chris Marino, Marino, last name, Chris Marino, who was working at Q102 in Philly at the time Okay. as the APDMD, he said to me, he goes, hey, do you want to do a couple fill-ins at weekends at Q102 in Philly? Oh, my God. So then I started doing this balancing act of Hot 107.9, full-time student, Q102, Z100. Dude, I was burned. I was starting to burn out from just all of that. I'm burnt out hearing you describe it. And then... The fun story of how I got fired from Hot 107.9. Okay, let's hear it. I got fired for probably the funniest way a host could get fired. Jason Kidd was running Hot 107.9, if you remember. Jason Kidd. Yep. He would always say, Hot 107.9. Jason Kidd, I, I, he's still in the business. I know he does like a syndicated... He's in Baltimore now, I think. He's a Baltimore, D.C. guy. It's funny that he's a Baltimore, D.C. guy. That plays into the story. So I tell Jason Kidd, listen... I got to take a couple days off from Hot 107.9. And he goes, yeah, I can't let you do that. And I'm like, listen, I got to go out of town. I need the days off. I don't know what to tell you. He's like, I need you on the air. I go, we have fill-ins. I, I, I need to, the days off. We don't budge. I'm like, listen, I can't do it. Now, the reason I can't do it is because they're asking me to fill in and do afternoons on Q102 in Philly. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> I got to go do, I got to do this. Who will ever find <laughs> out that I'm on Q102 in the afternoon? Oh, my God. Jason Kidd takes a weekend trip back to the Baltimore, D.C. area as he's cutting through Philly. No. He hears me filling in for like whoever was on at the time, like Chio the Hitman or something. So he hears me on the air in Philly and he's like, I mean, I hate to say it, but you know what I have to do. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know what you got to do. Wow. So caught on the radio, John. Caught re essentially red-handed. Like, you can't get caught in any funnier way than like, yo, I heard you on the radio. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's WJPZ. At 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence. This is WJPZ at 50. I want to tell my favorite Rich Davis story, and I think I've probably referenced this to you before. So I am recruiting jocks to come to Z89. We're trying to fill the schedule. We're trying to get people excited. So we have our recruitment meeting. 
and Rich agrees to come to our recruitment meeting. And he gets up in front of a couple hundred, I don't know how many people at Shine or wherever we were, and he plays a tape. And the first part of the tape is him doing the nightly countdown on Z89. And the second part of the tape is him doing the nightly countdown on freaking Z100 New York. Yeah. <laughs> Basically saying, you start here, you could end up here. Every jaw in the room, particularly those from the tri-state area that grew up listening to Z100, jaws are on the ground. Rich, I had 120 on-air recruits that semester. <laughs> See? Look at that. I love it. And, and the fact that you were able to do that and show that to so many people, and some of those people are, have gone on to become such great alumni of our radio station, thanks in part to you wetting their whistle to get them in the door. It's interesting, John, because every time I think of Z89, I think of how important it was to me. And yeah. because I'm on the West Coast now, because I don't get to go back often, you know, I wish I could be a little more involved. And, you know, maybe, maybe I could do a little more to help. But, like, sometimes I feel like I'm so out of pocket, but it did mean so much to me. And I really took such joy in helping with that recruitment. Sometimes I wish I could do more of that type of stuff for you guys. And I feel like there's so many cool memories I have from Z89 and things I'd like to do to help, you know? I think that was very helpful, and I'm thrilled that you're here on the podcast. Let's go after graduation. You get shit canned from Hot 107.9. Yeah. You're doing part-time and fill-in at Z100 and Q102. Where do things go from there? Much like everything you know, John, in broadcasting, a lot of times, it's it's luck, timing, talent. You can't get by on just one thing. You, you need everything to fall into place, right? Like, you know, you're a sports fan. Brock Purdy would never have seen the football field, probably in the NFL ever. A couple injuries. He's the 49ers quarterback and can very well make a run at the Super Bowl. So if you don't think timing and opportunity plays a role in anything in life, it, you know, it does. Yeah. So I'm at Z100 doing every fill-in I possibly could because, you know, as a young kid, it's union, so it's good money. And so I'm like a kid just like, I'm hustling. I'll take whatever shift you want to give me. Sure. The nighttime DJ, Billy Hammond, well, I think, thing, you know, he was maybe rubbing people the wrong way or something. And... Tom Pullman and Kid Kelly made the decision to make some changes. And they're like, yeah, we're going to let Billy go. We're going to move things around. We're going to have Rich be the interim night guy until we figure out what we're going to do. Okay. So they're like, for a couple weeks, we'll have you fill in until we figure out what we're going to do. And those couple weeks turned into two years. Wow. So, I, so I did nights for two years. And the crazy part about that was I really did think it was going to be two weeks because they brought in Scotty Davis from KDWB. They brought in like a million people to audition, but nothing really, I guess, clicked for them. Okay. And, you know, the rating books kept coming in and I was doing fine at nights. I was I was second to Funkmaster Flex every night because that was just how New York was working, right? It was like <laughs> Hot 97, Z100. Like you almost had to F it up not to be number one or two in New York if you're Z100, right? At night. So they were like, hey, let's roll with this young dude. And, you know, I was 20, 21 years old. So you were in the demo. I connected with the demo. I had freaking highlights in my hair like I was in a boy band. So all like the teenage fans were like, oh, Rich is cool. So I was like, oh, awesome. I'm, I'm going to run with this. Um, <laughs> started doing stuff for Nickelodeon and MTV, a couple little appearances here and there. So I was like really living in that world. And eventually Kid Kelly left and Pullman brought in his own guy, Romeo, on the radio yep. to do nights. And that pushed me back to late nights. And I sort of saw the writing on the wall that was like, all right, this is not the long-term plan anymore. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to stay here until they kick me out the door, right? Yeah. And as I always say, if, if you work hard on the air and you're a good guy, you try to minimize how many times you get burned in this industry, right? It's like, because you got to think, like, most of the times people get burned is self-inflicted. Yeah, agreed. So it's like, if you're a good guy, 
and you're nice to people and you work hard, the cream will rise to the top. Like you'll, you'll go through your ups and downs, but you'll get back on your feet. So let me actually dovetail off of that for a second, because I was at a gig uh, here in Detroit, my last radio gig. We had a morning show producer. The morning show numbers were not good. And this guy was very, very, very difficult to get along with. And eventually they, they ended up firing him. Yeah. And I remember the operations manager having a conversation with me. And he said, listen, you can be bad at your job or an asshole. You can't be both. Correct. Agreed. Yeah. One or the other. And if you can be a good guy and good at your job, as you're describing, then the sky's the limit. Yeah. You minimize the, the setbacks. You have them. Everyone has them, right? But you minimize the setbacks if you're good at what you do and you're a good person because people want to work with good people. If you're good at what you do, the product will be solid. So I'll, I'll fast forward now. I worked at Z for four years. Great. You know, there was one point, John, where I thought about stepping away from radio because I was like, well, yeah. at that point, I'm like, I worked at Z100. Where do I go from here? It's almost like uh, your first gig being the starting shor- uh, shortstop of the Yankees or, or Red Sox. I'm sorry. Red Sox. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a Mets fan, so nothing good about being a Mets. Um, unless you're Steve Cohen and you want to spend a lot of money. <laughs> I said, you know, where do I want to go from here? Because at the time, I was going to interview at Kiss 108 in Boston, Y100 in Miami. They have no money, but they always try to sell you on the weather, John. They try to sell you on the weather. Of course. Like, uh, yeah. Y100 yeah, yeah. Miami. Hey, we'll pay you one-fifth of what they were paying you at Z100. What? You'll get club nights and it's nice out. I'm like, no, no. I'm, I'm. To anybody listening who is in school or just out of school, every radio gig, they will promise you a lot more money than your salary in remotes and appearances and club gigs. It is never guaranteed. Nope. No way. And around that time, Kid Kelly said, we're doing this thing called Sirius Satellite Radio. Yeah. I have a feeling that there's something here. Come here. Come to Sirius, Sirius Satellite Radio. And, you know, I'll be honest, at the time, everyone's like, Cyrus, what's that? No one gives a shit. Cyrus Radio? <laughs> Let's be honest. In New York, it was almost like a joke in a way. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. You were on Z100. You used to be on K-Rock or used to be on uh, KTU. People that went to Sirius XM or Sirius at the time, it was considered like, oh, that's sort of cute. Pat you on the head, you know? <laughs> wow. That was the vibe. It really was. And, uh, you know, I-, I look at it this way. I started at Sirius XM in 04. And... I'm still there. I've been to a lot of other places also, but I've been there for almost 20 years. And we started at that place when no one gave a shit. Howard Stern came aboard. Millions of people came. I started there. There were hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Now there's what, 35 to 40 million. So we're talking about, I watched the company grow and I feel like I was sort of part of that, at least a consistent voice on the pop channels for the last 20 years. What did you start doing when you were there, Rich? So when I started there, they put me on US One, which is now Hits One, but it was called at the time US One. Okay. It was the pop channel. You know, it was different and raw and everything. In fact, in the beginning, they're like, it's satellite radio, you could curse. And very quickly, they realized, nah, it doesn't make sense to curse on Top 40. Because even if people have this uncensored product, they still want something they can listen to with their kids. Yeah. So uncensored Top 40 radio realized very quickly, like, that's not really... <laughs> that doesn't work, right? I mean, like, come on. So... I worked at Hits One for years. I ended up doing the morning show there with uh, Samson. Yep. Who's still there doing a great job. Samson's there doing a great job. Stanley T and Nicole, who is fantastic. And a fun JPZ tie-in, Kid Kelly, because I was also doing, at this time when I was at SiriusXM, besides doing Hits One, that's when I started my relationship with Cavino, Steve Cavino, where we started doing our talk show, Cavino and Rich, for Maxim Radio. Yep. Now... The crazy part about that was kids said, if you're going to be doing talk radio and top 40 radio, 
I need a programmer. Do you know anyone? And I put my JPZ thinking cap on and I said, I know this guy, Ryan Sampson, who's a JPZ guy who then helped me get hired at Hot 107.9. Wouldn't it be a nice time to return the favor to a good broadcaster? There you go. So I put Sampson in contact with Kid Kelly and the rest is history for Ryan. And, you know, Ryan's really good at what he does. But I'll be honest, if not for the JPZ connection... Ryan Sampson might still be in Lincoln, Nebraska. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, make sure to tell him that. You tell him that. You tell Ryan that uh, Rich wants to know how Lincoln would have been. <laughs> so you've really done so much uh, at Sirius. And, and look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've listened to you a lot lately. I really enjoy the way you do the Pop 2K countdown on the weekends on Pop 2K. It's I, a lot of fun. And it's very obvious listening to your show, and this probably goes back to the, your roots at JPZ, that you prep the show. You can tell, and, and same thing afternoons on Pop 2K, and then I feel like you popped up on every single one of my presets in the last like six months. But Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the pulse. I'm on Hits One. I'm on Pop 2K. Recently, they're like, hey, do you want to do fill-ins on Pop Rocks? I'm like, all right, we're, this, we're getting a little crazy here. Let's slow down. You've Enough literally crossed every preset that my wife or I has assigned <laughs> in our car. So Yes. But no matter how many shows you're doing, they're prepped. It's well executed. There are some jocks who mail it in, and that is not you, because you can tell that, I don't know, you have 50,000 jobs, but you still are putting the effort in every single time I hear your voice on the air, and I want to shout you out for that. Oh, thank you, man. And I'll tell you what it is. It's uh, I agree with you. I won't be. I won't bullshit you. There's people that mail it in, right? Like I hear them. I don't. I won't call them out out of kindness. But there's people on channels I'm on or other channels where I'm like, they're just saying their name, the name of the song, boom, and they're like, I could tell the lazy amounts of effort. And anybody who's worked in radio can hear it. Yeah, and I, and uh, I remember something Kid Kelly once told me. He goes, "Doesn't matter what's going on in your personal life. Doesn't matter if the boss screwed you. If you're having a good day, bad day. All that matters." is what the people on the other side of the radio hear. And if you can't step it up for a couple hours a day, or voice tracking, which is way less time, if you can't deliver, you know, you never know who's listening. So I heard an interview with Howard Stern and Conan O'Brien on Conan's podcast, which, by the way, is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Second only to uh, your podcast. Thank you. I say John Gay, Conan O'Brien. And I heard them talking about how performers, whether you're as popular as them or guys like you and I that are you know, doing well in the business, no matter what level you're at, there are a lot of people that there is a sense of insecurity that I'm okay with. Like I'm insecure that if I do a shitty break, someone's going to hear it and be like, man, Rich Davis lost it. Wow. So when I do my show and there are times I do a break and I'm like, eh, that was good enough. I'll be like, nope, hold on. Let me re-record it one more time or something. Because if someone's in the car, an old friend, Hey, you're in the car. Maybe Puff Andy. Maybe Matt Del Signore. Maybe Harry Waring. Maybe someone we worked with along the way. Here's me, and it's an unpolished break. I'm gonna feel like I'm gonna feel insecure about that. So wow. I think sometimes insecurity is not a bad thing. I, it'll push it. <laughs> we in. all have I'll it. Be like you know what? Yeah, we all have a little insecurity. I'm like, I don't want to ever do a show where it's all garbage breaks and then. You know, let's say you're listening. You're like, oh, no, I promise. This guy used to be good. Like, I never, Ooh, want, I never wow, want that. Wow, okay. Congratulations on the recent gig that you and Kavina just landed at Fox Sports Radio. Tell me about your typical day, and then I want to hear about the new gig. Thanks, man. I, like, again, I'm a, I'm a mile a minute, and I'm all over the place, so I apologize, and I, I appreciate you trying to wrangle me. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, I know, it's a hard job. So Kavino and I have worked together for 18 years. It's interesting. It's like a marriage of sorts because my relationship with him professionally is longer than any girl I've dated, my wife, his ex-wife, his new girlfriend. Like, you know, you work with someone that long, you know, we're business partners. And we started doing that Maxim Radio gig together. And we were on SiriusXM for like 16, 17 years together. Wow. And then 
during COVID, SiriusXM said, hey, um, you know, we're, we're going to offer you something. We want, you know, because of COVID, they're like, we were asking people to take pay cuts with a non-compete. And I said, I, I can't do that. Like, yeah. I want to work something out to stay at SiriusXM, but we need to work out something because you can't ask someone to take a non-compete and a pay cut. To me, that was just like, it's like double dipping almost. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I, if, if you're going to say, we can't give you what we were giving you, let me make that money somewhere else because I know I can. Okay. And they were great. SiriusXM has always been great to me in that regard. So after COVID, I started doing multiple things, John. It's like, here's my day to day. I wake up and Kavino and I do our podcast from 9 to 11-ish or so out of my home studio. Now that's on Patreon. Okay. So it's a paid service, right? So $5 for audio. $10 for audio, video, and like extra stuff. Now, at first I was like, interesting. I didn't know how this would work. But believe it or not, if you over the years have developed a, you know, a listener base. Yeah. You don't need millions, John, when you do the math. You know, it's like you, you start saying 5 or $10 a person. Then you start doing the math and it's like, all right, 5,000 or 10,000 people times 5 or $10 each month divided by a couple guys for a year. You start saying like, this is a lucrative avenue. Right. Wow. Okay. And, you know, Kavino and I had also been involved in the sports world. We did a show on SNY in New York, a TV show. We did a, a TV show for ESPN, also did a fill in radio for ESPN. So I got my sports uh, radio chops as well. So Fox Sports Radio, we started doing part time there. And it might be the best fit I've ever had, John, as far wow. as broadcasting. They are fantastic. Julie Talbot. Uh, Don Martin, a lot of these people that run iHeart, Fox Sports. Like now, I'm working for iHeart and Sirius X. At the same huh. time, I don't know anyone else that is. To be honest, I don't. I might be the exception. Don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this this new gig. So I do the podcast in the morning. Then I spend a couple hours voice tracking, and then I go over to Fox from two to four p.m. my time, and we do a two hour like pop culture sports show, and it's a lot of fun, man. I I can never be bummed about it because much like you probably feel the same way we talk and have fun and broadcast and everything we do for a living you can't complain ever that is wild so you're doing the podcast with steve Kavino in the morning and then still and then yeah. you're tracking how how many stations a day probably three or four two to three a day and then you got to be really on it to be on fox sports radio after yeah. doing all those shows i would imagine a lot of uh, hot tea and lemon and honey in, in your life or dude I might as well butt chug coffee like college kids. You know, <laughs> you know how college kids put funnels up their ass these days? That's after our time. Way after our time. Yeah, uh, way after our time. I might start doing that with coffee. So, <laughs> but no, listen, man, I'm a pretty hyper guy, as you know, from being, you know, we've been friends for almost 20, like 20 years now. I'm a pretty hyper guy, but I got two little kids too. So that keeps me fired up. But yeah, every morning, wake up, we do our podcast, which is uncensored. So we talk relationships, life, headlines, what's going on. And then Fox wants us to do a guy show with a sports backdrop. They don't want us to be yeah. numbers and this. They, they want us to talk more about the lighter side of sports. So it's a lot of fun. And like I said, if you're a good person and you're good at what you do, man, you bump into people. And John, something I wonder if you've bumped into recently, a lot of people in important positions are now our age. So you relate, like we're in our primo years of like really connecting with people oh yeah you make a, a pop culture reference to something we grew up with and it lands dude our boss for fox sports is my exact age like a year older than you 
and every reference we make, he thinks he might as well he might as well think he uh, hired uh, you know Dave Chappelle and Louis C.K. or something, or Bill Burr. <laughs> like he thinks we're the funniest dudes because every reference is in his wheelhouse. So all of our references are now in every important programmer's wheelhouse. That is fantastic. I love that. <laughs> you you make some uh, you know you make some Jim Rice 1980s Red Sox reference. You know, the 40 something year old boss gets it pop culture reference to the movie office space or something like that exactly yeah every silly reference but yeah man i i i'm very blessed for my day i love it and i love broadcasting and it all goes back to z89 and and right there walking down those steps knocking on the door hopefully someone opens because i never ever had an id for that building there's always a knock on the door involved in every jpz story (laughs) from rick wright to rich davis i would always knock (laughs) on the door because no one i never got the id or key or something but every time i ever did a show i would just wait out there to trail someone in the building or knock on the door like that was that was one of my memories of jpz standing in the slushy snow hoping someone heard me (laughs) Rich Davis, congratulations on all your career success. You won't find the nicer guy in the business. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us today. And one of these years, we want to get you back across the country into Syracuse. Hard to sell Syracuse to a guy who lives in L.A. now, but we want to get you back for one of these banquets. Listen, I learned from uh, Fox Sports Radio that after the Super Bowl, sports people are allowed to take off. I was told, like, until, <laughs> until the Super Bowl's over, like, don't go anywhere. You're not, you know, this is prime time for sports radio, which I'm learning. By the way, another fun thing. You're always learning, right? Like, I'm learning about... The clock again. This is something that's wild. I'm sorry. I'll go on for five hours, John. So you could cut all this if you want. I'll let you roll. Go ahead. I had forgot you work at SiriusXM for so long. You forget simple things like I had never worked in a personal people meter world before. Mm. I left terrestrial radio when we were on Arbitron. That's right. Diaries. So when I was learning, you know, the great people at Fox, like Scott Shapiro and Don Martin, all these guys are like, hey, listen, I don't mind you going long, but if you don't leave at least five minutes or so for your last segment, it can't count as a quarter hour. I'm like, hold on. Well, so I'm out. Say this again, because you had to have PPM explained from scratch. Yeah. You talk about a guy that's been in broadcasting 20, you know, 25 years. It's, you know, worked in all the places I've wanted to work in, but I had to be taught ratings again. So I'm like, oh shit, ratings again. And John, I mean, there's no one more on the right track as far as JPZ alumni than you, because podcasting, my goodness. The industry is as healthy as ever. When people say, is radio dying? I say, no, no. Audio entertainment is as thriving as ever before. It's a matter of, can you make the pivot? Pivot. <laughs> Another reference to our age. Can you make the pivot from radio to podcasting or the hybrid of that? Like We do our radio show every day. But what's equally important, John, is our two-hour live radio show is how it's packaged in podcast form and how we social media promote the podcast. So all these things that you're teaching people in your whole world, you are, you're fucking on the pulse, pun intended. Ha! <laughs> and we will leave it there. Appreciate the kind words and appreciate your time, Rich Davis. Great to be with you. John, love you, buddy. The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.